Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, Amy. Hey, Kirst. How are you? Good Monday to you, Amy. Oh, my gosh. This is getting old. Yeah, well, so is COVID. (laughs) COVID is getting old as well. So welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Ferugia. And I'm Amy Ravel, and we have an amazing guest with us today. I'm going to just introduce my friend Frances to you. So Frances is the Principal Interior Designer at White Pebble Interiors. Fran is an award-winning interior designer, published author and sought-after public speaker, and recently a podcast host too. Frances has a beautiful and unique style and she's worked with interior design projects even in Europe and obviously all around Australia and she lived in Europe for over a decade. Frances has appeared on Foxtel and Channel 9 and had her designs featured in many magazines, one of which I have in my magazine, Rat Cran. Frances has published a book, Your Forever Home, which is also the name of her podcast, and she's presented at dozens of national conferences. Frances has also helped hundreds of homeowners to turn their vision for a practical, stylish and comfortable home into reality. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Nice to be here. We're very excited to have you. You are our first interior designer to ever grace the shores of our podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, our our trades are actually quite interrelated. They totally are. And you and I have worked together on project, quite a few projects together, even our own homes and then client homes as well. Yeah, you certainly sorted my office out. <laughs> so what is the best thing about being an interior designer, my friend? Oh, I would say it's seeing the joy on people's faces when they walk into their finished home, be it a renovation, new build, or even just decorating. And they absolutely love it. And it's, we could never have done this on our own, or I could never have thought of the things that you've thought of. And just to feel that you've made such a contribution to how someone is living and enjoying their space and relaxing in their home. uh, That is the big, big uh, plus for me. Awesome. That's so cool. It's very similar to us, Kirst. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. (laughs) well it is isn't it when you've made such a contribution to someone and how they're living and for you it's around you know decluttering and for me it's I suppose making things nice and I suppose that's where the interrelation is between what we do you're creating a really beautiful environment for them by getting rid of things and I'm creating spaces for people that are just after the decluttering Uh, it's looking amazing Mm. Yeah, the finishing touches from a decorating perspective anyway, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. And what we do just opens up more space for you to come in and give your creativity mm. and help people realize their their dreams of how their home should function and and should represent them and um, be that welcoming space for others. Yeah, and what I often find actually is um, people have so much stuff and I know you guys would see this all the time as well. So areas where you could be really showcasing beautiful artefacts or things that they've had all their lives or whatever it is and I find that it's just... Um, you know, piece on piece on piece on piece. And so the whole buffet or console or sideboard or whatever it is, is just totally overloaded with stuff. You can't see any of it. Um, and so they need to take all that away to be able to start again and see it with fresh eyes with taking everything off you and you're starting with a blank canvas. And that's often where I would come in and then redo that with for them with expert eyes, seeing all their beautiful things in a different way. Yeah, and we're going to talk to you today um, predominantly about storage, but I just, what came to my mind then, Francis, is that when you and I've worked together with clients, we've actually had it both ways. We've had where I've gone in and helped someone declutter and by decluttering, they've realized actually now I want to make it beautiful. And I always say to them, I am not your person for that. Like, don't ask me what pillows, what colors, what are, I am not that person. And so we've had it where I've gone in and we've got rid of the stuff and then you've gone in and beautified the area. And we've actually had it in the reverse where you've mm. gone in and helped someone design and plan what they want their forever home to look like. And then the client realizes I have too much stuff. Right. And then I come in and curate the thing, like help them get rid of all that stuff so that they can achieve that vision that you've set with them. Yeah. And it, and it is great how it works in, in either way. And it's like the, the reverse that you're talking about where, I have had clients that they've just got far too much stuff and they're moving into a new home and I've said, you're going to have to get rid of some of this stuff. I know the exact person that's going to help you. Um, but like the other client that you're talking about, um, it also made her realise that she does have some beautiful pieces yeah. and we were just able to then showcase those beautiful pieces and she fell in love with her house all over again from just those <laughs> two steps of decluttering and then, yeah, being motivated to fix up the things that she didn't really like anymore. I suppose when you declutter, you start seeing things for what they are. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a great journey, I think, for people to go on. And when they start the process, I think that they feel uh, it's refreshing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very rewarding cool. and refreshing. So we might hit you up with some questions, might we, Cass, about all things storage. Hit me up, baby. <laughs> so we often see people just add more bookshelves and more things to their space to create that more storage solutions that they're actually that they that they think that they want um, but in the end they just end up cluttering them up um, so how important is it to decide in advance exactly what needs to be stored before designing the solution uh, I think what I the process that I go through with my clients is to for them to actually determine what they need so let's work and part of that process is actually doing a declutter so i would actually encourage them look we need to create some design ideas around what you really need to store and so part of that process is going through what they really need so they may have already been through that journey um and so then we can really work out where things are going to go and what place they're going to have for each of the things that they have and I know Amy you talk about this a lot where we need to have a place for everything if we don't have a place for everything then that's when the cluttering starts to occur 
Um, so I always get them to declutter and then we work out, okay, what stuff is going to go where and how often do you need to access that? So for me, it's around functionality, accessibility and ease of, ease of access to the things that they need. And it may be um, that some things, because they don't need them, uh, I mean, I see some people design kitchens around the fact that they've got a pot that they use once a year, which is crazy. It's like, well, where can we put that? Um, that you can get to once a year, but you don't need to have it in this prime location where you need to access stuff on a daily basis. Does that make sense? And that is instead of going out to purchase more storage, it is determining what you really need. But the more bookshelves you add or the more um, facility for storage cupboards and, you know, all that stuff that you get from Ikea and more baskets, it actually just... It, not only do those spaces look more cluttered, but the whole room feels more cluttered. So it's not just the spaces where those things are going, but you've got bookcase next to bookcase. You need to have blank walls. Sometimes I have clients that feel that every wall or every space needs to be filled. Um, and so there's other ways to make things not look bare, but also that, um, that a space feels cohesive and that is not with bookcase after bookcase after storage unit after storage unit. You're just going to feel encased and you're not going to feel relaxed in that space anyway and that's why it's so critical to declutter first and then work out where everything's going to go yeah we often love the point when we get in decluttering and people have decluttered so much of their stuff that we then get onto decluttering furniture pieces mm. and often it's pieces that maybe mum or dad passed onto them or they got off a roadside collection they're not intentional pieces and they're certainly not pieces that they love and so they just become like clutter magnets. That's you right. put a little bookshelf in the corner and your paperwork ends up on it and headphones and CDs. and Like it's not beautiful anymore. It just becomes a little clutter magnet mm. in a spot that could otherwise be clear and free. And I think also when you live in that environment, you just get used to it and it's only when new eyes come in, they say, oh, that doesn't look great there or that is just this little unit. It's not really serving any purpose. I mean, the amount of houses that I've been in and they've just got yeah, unit after unit after unit and they might have one or two things in that and they could just really easily um, get all of that stuff and stick it into one unit and not have everything on display and get rid of these pieces of furniture but they just get so used to it that it's not um, they can't see it anymore for what it is and that's why the fresh eyes coming in say this is not great we need to do something here. Yeah, I've been into clients' homes where we have decluttered enough out of a piece of furniture that I've suggested that we get rid of the furniture, but they're so used to using that piece of furniture for another purpose, like to, for dumping their keys or putting mm. things down on as soon as they walk in the home that they don't want to that they're hesitant to give up the piece of furniture for that one tiny functionality. Um, and so it's also, I've suggested to them, hey, why don't we just see how we go? Like, why don't we mm. put that piece of furniture out in the garage? I don't, um, you don't need to put it on roadside pick up yet you don't need to take it to Vinnie's or Salvo's yet just let's put it somewhere out of the way so that you can see what it's like for a couple of weeks and if you mm. really want it back in we can move it back in and we can give it a new purpose and um, but let's just see how we go and they've done that and then they've had people come over and go oh this room looks so good now and they've been blown away by 
how they didn't actually need that piece of furniture like they thought they needed that piece of furniture. And I think that comes down to a couple of things. There's change. People are reticent to change. Mm -hmm. It's like this is habitual. I come in, I put my keys in this particular drawer or whatever, and it might be that you just have a a small basket there or whatever it is. It's just it's changing their behaviour. And I do exactly the same thing, Kirsty, in terms of we change things around and it's like you need to live with this for a minimum of two weeks before you can make a really uh, educated decision about whether you like it or not. So often I'll get clients to say, okay, we're going to set it up in this way, but there's also another layout that's possible. So I want you to live with it like this for two weeks, live with it in the other way for two weeks, and then make a decision because you'll wake up the next day and go, oh, it's all wrong just because you're not used to it. And so I think it's a minimum of two weeks. And I've done it myself. And then you know, okay, yep, I know that the, this whichever layout is better for me because I've lived with both um, in, in, you know, lifestyle scenarios. So you have to live with that as well and see how it works. It's not just about what it looks like. It has to work with the flow and how you're using the space. And I think yes, people, yes, I can yes. see you nod, 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 nod. So <laughs> that's hitting a chord there. Like, yes. That's exactly what I say to my clients all the time. Like when we rearrange a kitchen, um, then I say to them, this can be challenging for the first couple of weeks because you'll go empty the dishwasher and you'll go to put the plates in here, but they're not there. And your natural reaction is, this is wrong. I don't like it. But it's not that it's wrong or that you don't like it. It's because you you haven't got used to that change. And so Mm. I always say to them, give it a red hot crack for a couple of weeks just do it for a couple of weeks see if your habits change see if it actually works the functionality and the flow exactly what you say if that Mm. works better there's so much yeah yeah then then and if it's not working after two weeks then we can change it back of course and most of these things are are changeable i always use the example of christmas you know, we deck our house out in, you know, Christmas decorations and generally it's a little bit more cluttered because we've got lots of decorations everywhere. We've got a tree and we wouldn't normally have a tree and it sort of feels all beautiful and then you take it away and I know I feel, oh, my house is so bare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks it so different. But I know it's just gone back to normal or when I have had photo shoots and, you know, you make your house look like it doesn't get lived in and then you go back to normal and it's like, oh, no, no, it was actually better before, but I just needed to get used to it. So, um, but Christmas, I think, is a really good example of how we, we we force that change on ourselves because we're celebrating and then we take it away. And, well, I know for me, I just feel my house is so bare after Christmas. But it takes me a couple of days to go, oh, no, it's much better now. Mm. And I think you become visually blind to things like the Christmas tree. Um, even mm-hmm. in our family, we had Elijah's birthday in April and Jesse's birthday in May. And so we decided to keep the decorations up because we were in ISO. Nobody else was coming over. So we left the balloons up and we left the happy birthday streamer up, which was effectively just for the four of us. But it took about two weeks after the May birthday for me to remember to take them down because it had become part of like our decor, which was not nice. But it really took until the first person came over post-ISO and I went, oh, my gosh, we've still got happy birthday mm. signs up. We need to get those down. I love that term, visually blind. I think that's that's perfect. I'm going to have to steal that, Amy, because it's exactly what happens. And that's the whole issue around all surfaces being cluttered and stuff in, you know, all the clutter that we see. You just you do get so used to it and where your furniture is that you just you you don't see it anymore. And that's why you need someone else to come in. And your friends are generally not going to say, 
you need to sort this out because this is just not right. <laughs> they wouldn't stay your friends for very long, would they? No. <laughs> I mean, I would be okay with if a friend came in and said, can you just get rid of all your junk? <laughs> but, yes. I, yes. You have to I be a certain personality but type for that. Topic. It is. It's definitely, yes, yes, you need to have that Bef- direct style. Before so. we started recording, I did say that Kirsty and Francis are my two most honest friends. <laughs> So you two could probably come in and be like, Ames, no, just stop. No, well, we already I, I did. would tell you, Ames. I we already did with what you're wearing on your head right now. That's yeah. true. I'm trying to get my curls to look good and so I'm wearing like a special curly girl. I don't know. It's like a, it's a, what is it? I don't even know how to describe it. The turban. It. Like a little turbany thing to try and make my curls good. So we'll see if it works. Anyway, back to, back to interior design. Frank, can you give us some tips and give our listeners some tips? Like what things are really good to think about when you're creating storage, like in kitchens, bedrooms, laundry, those kind of spaces? Give us your wisdom. So with kitchens, um, which is probably one of the most important areas that we all really need to think about storage. And so you need to think about how you're going to store, where you're going to store, and where you need to store it in terms of accessibility. So this is about your appliances, it's about your plastic containers, your pots and pans, your baking, all your pantry goods. And so I always, I actually call it a kitchen deep dive that I go through with my clients, which is determining everything that they need to have in their kitchen and where it needs to go. So often what happens is um, people will just get a kitchen designed for the space So it is literally, oh, we'll have cupboards there, a couple of drawers here. And it's not actually designed around how you need to work in the kitchen. So it's not designed for the owners. It's just designed for the space. And so where you want to be able to store things is not designed for you. And so it's not actually going to necessarily work for you. So I always would encourage people to have as many drawers as possible because you can always, and fully extendable drawers, don't go for the cheap and nasty Um, they don't come all the way out because you lose that storage. But with drawers, you're getting maximum accessibility to everything that's in that drawer rather than, you know, scourging around at the back of a cupboard. Um, Can I just say there too, Fran, we've found that drawers are a great recommendation for a lot of our NDIS clients that may have um, mobility issues. So if you've got a bad back or um, if you're in a wheelchair or you're a walking frame, or you've got um, you've got weakness in your arms. Is that drawers are a much more functionally appropriate option for storage in a kitchen rather than um, shelves where you're leaning down, leaning in, like it's a much harder place to access. Uh, absolutely, but I think that they tick so many boxes on so many different levels. They also look more aesthetic. They're just easier to operate. It's easier for kids. It's just easier all round. But I think the first thing you need to do before you're even looking at your kitchen is. What do you have? And this is an ideal opportunity to say, oh, that's that um, what it is, pie maker that I never use or that's the whatever appliance it is that I never use and get rid of it. What have we got these, what are those pop cake things on sticks like an appliance you use once in your life? <laughs> cake pops, yeah. <laughs> cake pop things. So it's an ideal opportunity to get rid of um, the stuff that you really don't need. And then it's the assessment of what have I got? What do I use more frequently than others? How big's my biggest pot? Um, you know, where do I want to store my um, crockery? Do I want it in in the island bench, or do I want it around? You know, the back at the back island. You know, how you're going to access your dishwasher? Everything needs to be um, easily accessible. 
but it's also then um, working out, yeah, what's going to go in your walk-in pantry, what's going to be in your kitchen, um, and, you know, how, how's your Tupperware going to stack? So, for example, in my walk-in pantry, which I know, Amy, you've seen, you know, I designed the shelf heights, and even though they're adjustable, I made sure that they could, that the holes were located in a spot that my Tupperware could stack, and I didn't have any you know, space in between. So when you're actually designing a kitchen right from the start, it means that you've got all this flexibility to make sure it's designed exactly for you and not just filling the space that's there with cabinetry that may be suitable. The other thing I think is really important is not thinking about how you use your kitchen now, but because so a lot of people would come to me and say, oh, well, I've got my pans here and I've got my boards there and they're not thinking about what it could be. They're sort of stuck in. And again, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about habits. And well, this is how I've got it now, but that might not be ideal. And this is where a designer can say, well, hang on, you've got, this is in the deep dive, we've got an assessment of all the things that, that our clients have. And then we are able to work out, okay, this is the ideal location for the utensils, obviously in consultation with the client, but this is the logical position to have um, the pots, and this is how they cook, all that sort of stuff, so that then it's designed precisely to meet those requirements. So it's thinking about not how it works now, but ideally how you'd like it to be. Yeah, because that's what we encounter often when we go into a home is that, um, you know, and in fact, I was talking to a client about that this week, they move every year. And so I said to her, have you set up this kitchen how you lived in your old kitchen? And she said, yes. And I was like, yes, that's what some of her issues were, was that it was designed how her old kitchen, which was way more functional and way more beautiful than her current kitchen. And so it's about being, for, for us when we work with clients, it's also about being adaptable and actually looking at the space that they have and the functionality and the flow of their current kitchen not their dream kitchen or their previous kitchen or their aspirational self Um, you know like I want to be a baker I want to cook food for my kids every afternoon and so the baking stuff needs to be close by and but when we come in we go but do you cook for your kids every afternoon Mm. oh no I'm too busy Okay, well, then let's move this baking stuff further away from your functional, from your everyday stuff that needs to be accessed every day. And just having that fresh eyes and looking at things from a functional point of view and a Mm. flow point of view rather than um, this is the way my mum always had her pots. She always had her pots here. So I want my pots here too. And again, it comes back to that habit thing. And I think it also comes back to what we were talking about earlier around the expert eye that's not living in that space sees things differently. And because we understand how things and functionality is key uh, and with a kitchen, people can get really, really wrapped up about how it's going to look. And they focus so much on the bench space and, or sorry, what the bench is going to be made out of. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but for me, good design is if it doesn't work and function, it doesn't matter how amazing it looks. It's not going to work for you. So you're going to get frustrated with it. So it all comes back to the functionality. And so I'm always, it's functionality first and then let's get it looking nice. 
It's so much easier to make cosmetic changes, isn't it, than some of those bone changes. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make when they're designing, say, a reno or uh, a new build that are actually quite difficult to fix retrospectively? Um, So this is not just with a kitchen. So I think it's getting back to the kitchen. It's it's exactly what I was saying. They're not thinking about... um, the storage and how they're going to store it, what Kirsty was saying that, yeah, that, that their mum had it here, so I'm going to have it here. So it's really thinking about all of that stuff before you even dis- engage anyone else, although a really good designer should be extrapolating that information out from you anyway. It's very difficult to redesign a kitchen unless you then go through a big reno. So that is really critical because it's such a big, massive hub of the home and has to work so hard in any house. So that would be one. Um, So it's designed, and and this is not just kitchens, but also laundries and bathrooms. It's actually just designed for the space. And I wouldn't even say that that's designed. It's just cabinetry plonked in a space because it fits in the space rather than really working out, okay, how does this need to work? What do we need to design around the owners or the people that are going to be using this space, Um, particularly when we're talking about joinery? I think that's another, and joinery is expensive and it's expensive to replace. Um, Forgetting about the importance of laundry storage. So what I often see (laughs) on plans is, uh, this is probably one of my biggest um, disappointments when I'm seeing someone, you know, clients will come to me and show me their plans. And I cannot even, uh, countless times have I seen a laundry with no broom cupboard. Uh, or, yeah, that's my house. <laughs> or a laundry with, um, but I'm talking about a reno and a new build where it's yes. not an existing house. They are going yeah, to renovate this house to make it better and there's no <laughs> broom cupboard and there's no there's no provision for this anywhere else. And then when I say that to them, it's like, oh, yeah, my mop. Oh, yeah, my ironing board. Oh, I hadn't even thought about it. So the, the the lack of storage in a laundry also... Um, and can I say there, Fran, we love organising laundries because they're such a hard-working area of the home that don't necessarily have to be aesthetically pleasing. Correct. Like I personally love, like so I've got art in my laundry, I've painted my laundry pink because why not? I'm really the one that's in there the most. Um but it is such a hardworking area that can be quite utilitarian. Like it, it's a utility room, mm. but it can, like, you know, I know that one of the laundries that you've designed for a shared client of ours recently had so much storage. I was just about ready to blow my top because I walked in there and there's just cupboard upon cupboard that had been thought out and I was just a bit excited. Well, the thing is, though, and it's, it's exactly um, what you're saying, Amy, it, it is probably the second most hardworking space in your house after the kitchen. Yeah. So I, I feel that um, laundries are really the second most hardworking space in our houses after our kitchens. But because they're not a showcase room, it's not like, oh, look, at, and you know, as they say, kitchens and bathrooms sell houses, but laundries are now inching in there as people get laundry envy. Similar to what you're saying, Amy, look at the storage. Look, there's bench space. Oh, I can store stuff in there. And so a lot of the time what I'm finding now is people are giving their laundry the time and the, um, the design thinking that it really, really needs. And so what I often see is forgotten broom cupboards, almost 
I, I really have lost count on how many times I see a laundry without a broom cupboard in a new build or reno. Um, not having any provision for dirty laundry. Uh, hello, isn't that what a laundry's for? That you need to put your laundry, your dirty laundry in there. And so there's no hampers. There's no provision for your dirty laundry. Mm. So that's another that is... That's ours as well. Kirsten, is that yours too? Forgotten. We've both ticked the no broom cupboard. You want me to redesign your laundries, ladies? Uh, I want you to redesign my whole house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is, um, you know, one of the critical things for family homes, and that's predominantly, you know, forever homes, a family home, is things like where are your detergents, your first aid, uh, all your shoe polish, all that sort of stuff that you don't want the kids to get into. Well, overhead storage is perfect for that. And yet I, the amount of times I just see open shelves, which are dust collectors and they look cluttered. And so that's why I love closed cabinetry. And the other thing I put in a laundry for storage is, uh, and, and for usability, is a drying rail underneath the overhead cupboards. So when you're ironing, straight on a hanger, or you dry all your, your shirts on hangers. So, um, I mean, that's probably one of the most simplest things and clients time and time. Oh, wow, that's such an awesome feature. Um, but, you know, it just all these things that get forgotten. Um, so storage is king in the laundry, but it needs to work. You need a bench. You need to, I mean, what's a laundry for? Hand washing, washing, drying. Where are you going to have a drying rail? You, if you're going to build or renovate, you don't want to have it in a spare room. You want to have it provisioned in the laundry. So, again, it's thinking about how do you use that space. I have many clients that don't want to iron in their laundry because they're watching, I don't know, um, an omnibus of some series, so they do all their ironing there which is fine, but let's talk about it and work out how you need to use the space. I've got a friend who actually put a TV in the laundry for that exact purpose. She was sick of dragging the ironing board out into the family room and she's like, for a couple of hundred bucks, I'm just going to mount a TV in the laundry. And That's pretty special. I haven't seen that before. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've only seen it once, but it was amazing. But you know what? You know what I love about that? She has designed that knowing how she's going to use the space. And I think that is my core message time and time and time again. You've got to think about how you ideally want to use the space, not the confines that you've got currently. It's the what would, how would you ideally like it to function? And if you can get that to work, you know, space permitting and budget permitting and everything else permitting, then that, that is a big tick. And congratulations to her for thinking about that in advance and getting it in there. It would be banned in my house, but good on her. <laughs> You know how Amy is like larger than life on the podcast? Well, imagine having that in your home. It is phenomenal. She gets things done so quickly. She can come in and absolutely power boost any of your decluttering that you can do by yourself. You are going to do it 5 million times faster if you have Amy come alongside you to support, encourage, motivate, and keep you on track. So if you live in Melbourne or the greater Melbourne area, Amy is your girl. So if you're ready to have a little bit of my decluttering magic in your house, email us at hello at theartofdecluttering.com.au. Send us a message on Instagram or Facebook, any way you can get in contact with us. Get in contact because I want to come and I want to help you get freedom that you've been dreaming of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, back to the show. I um, cannot tell you how many, I don't, I probably don't even need to tell you, um, but for our listeners, how many times I've looked at a floor plan as a mum and as a wife and as a homemaker, um, looked at a floor plan um, and gone, this has not been designed by somebody like me. This has been designed to fit a space rather than to fit a life. Exactly my point. Yes. It's exa- and can I be really sexist on the show? Oh, I was going to be, but I chose not I to. I saw you were being really, really <laughs> diplomatic there, Kirsty. I'm going to say it for you. It's designed by a man yep. who doesn't do laundry and yep. doesn't understand yep. that a lot of kids are not going to sort stuff or they're not going to do this. You know the other... Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on these are laundry shoots. People think they're fantastic. So I'll give you my view. Yes, or do you want to do, do your thing first? No, go for it. Go for it. So I see it a lot on floor plans, laundry shoot. Oh, it's really luxurious. I don't need to take my washing downstairs. It's like, okay. So you do the laundry in the house. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so the laundry shoot means all that washing from upstairs, dirty washing is going to go all the way down and either fall into a bucket or a basket, I should say, or onto a big shelf in the laundry and that's creating more work for you because you've then got to sort all that laundry into darks and whites and everything else and you're going to pay extra for that I don't I'm not a fan for obvious reasons it's like if you can't well personally I want to be able to train my children okay the whites go in the white baskets and your darks go in the dark laundry hamper Uh, and I don't want to have to create extra work for myself and pay an extra two grand for it as well no thanks that's my view on laundry shoes (laughs) Yeah, your first ladies and gentlemen, laundry shits are a no-go. <laughs> if you do not want to create extra work for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I've had clients that, um, so I can think of a couple. One client didn't know she had a laundry shoot until we decluttered. So she had moved into the house after her parents had moved out. And in the wardrobe, it was so cluttered that she didn't know at the back there was a laundry shoot. That's brilliant. And I had another client who used the laundry chute for storing excess toilet paper. So she would just like lift it up and put the next one underneath, lift it up. Put the, and so she would have had 10, 12, like eight packets of toilet paper. So that's 80, 100 not using it as a laundry chute. And actually coming to mind is a third client 
his laundry chute, which is so dangerous, I don't even know how it was done, was a grill on the floor in the bathroom, in the kids' bathroom. So you lifted the grill up with a handle and the hole was in the floor, also the right size for a child to fall down it. I think that that's pre-regulation. How is that Mm. even possible? And look, (laughs) there are laundry chutes and laundry chutes, and I do say that in inverted brackets because some of them are pretty rough and ready. Um, but you know, if I, if I'm talking to my clients about it, not only just what I was saying in terms of, I don't want to create extra work for myself. Maybe you're training your kids to sort all the laundry when it gets there. But the other thing is that is prime space in a laundry, which could be used for a laundry cupboard, a drying cupboard, I should say, it could be used for additional hampers for dirty, dirty laundry. So I just feel it's a waste, a real waste of space. I have talked so many clients out of a laundry chute. I said, and I've saved your money. And it's also teaching, like I, I think um, I've got a friend who's um, putting a laundry chute in. Um, I can't quite remember where they've ended up putting it in, but I do know that um, on one of the iterations of their house plan, it was in their walk-in wardrobe. And so I was like, okay, so that means the kids need to walk out of their bedroom into your walk-in wardrobe to put their clothes in. Why? Like, and I was like, okay, is that going to work for, like, in my head, I was like, is that going to work? Are those kids actually going to do that? Or are they just expecting their mum to come in or their dad to come in um, and pick up all the clothes for them? And again, it's not teaching them well, and that's my biggest lesson. problem with it. And look, everyone parents their kids differently. Yeah. That's my biggest problem. It's like, oh, I've just got this special hole and I stick my wall and it, miraculously it comes out clean. It's <laughs> it's like, it's I don't know. It's a magic hole in the it's wall. It's a magic hole. And I just, I, I just don't subscribe to it. And everyone has different ideas about parenting, but I just feel that it's it's like the kids. Do you know what I saw the other day that was a magic hole in the wall, which I thought was really interesting, is... They've literally put just a tile in their wall in their kitchen that on the other side of it is outside. So it's a, a outside wall and it is their recycling bin. I've seen them. I've got a client with that too. And in fact, I've got a friend with it. Yeah, I've seen and them. And one's got rubbish, recycling and food waste, like three yeah. little exits. That's the next biggest thing, I think. This is, funnily enough, though, they do do... Um, uh, recycle bottles so like you know they go to they go to earn and return or whatever it's called what's it called and it, but they don't put that out the kitchen window they put it somewhere else in the house so mm. something for me to talk it's, to them about it's a similar principle but at least the kids could still have to take the bins out or whatever I think this yeah miraculous oh. hole in the, in the on the second yeah. floor and yeah. all of a sudden you've got this clean laundry it's just um but it's the additional work it creates for the primary person doing the laundry and it's the space it takes up in the laundry. It's the additional cost. Do you really need it? So I just think there's a lot of, I think it was a big thing. Um, I don't it's see very it as often on floor plans, but sometimes I have seen floor plans where the laundry chute is in the kitchen. It's just like, oh. just not even like you're saying in the master bedroom, I don't want my kids going into my wardrobe and fossicking around. And, and so, yeah, anyway, that, Laundry chutes, nah. <laughs> we don't need them. There's bigger fish to fry in a house plant than having a laundry chute. Am I too direct? Of, no, I love it. One of the things that I love about your home is you've got storage in places that 
other people wouldn't think of putting storage. So you've got bookshelves that are like built into the wall rather than like a piece of furniture that you put in front of a wall. You've got storage under windowsills that you don't even notice are there. Is that something that you think, um, yeah, is that what you'd recommend? Tell us a bit about that. So uh, it's interesting that you've raised, I've sort of forgotten about those sorts of things. So I'm a massive book person and I knew that I wanted to have a lot of built-in shelves but I didn't want it to take up floor space necessarily so yes you can recess them into the walls and they don't necessarily need to be full of books they can be used for decorating you can do whatever you want with them and they're always going to be utilized the other thing I advise my clients is don't put in built-in furniture that's going to um, alter what that space could be used for down the track and that's for me future proofing so Bookcases are fine as long as you've got space then to still put beds and furniture and all that sort of stuff in. The other uh, thing that you're talking about, Amy, is I use any cavity as an additional secret storage yes. area. So I, in if we're talking about my, my home, I've got um, windows that recess uh, from the front. So there's a bit of, I suppose it's the, the front part of the house that protrudes is, is proud of the actual window, so it creates a, a, an eave at the top, but it, it, it's proud at the bottom. And so, I mean, that was just, you know, a metre deep of inside the space of storage. It's like I can't not use that space. So I did, did end up getting, um, I suppose, secret um, cupboards put in there and they're just push button they're painted exactly the same color as a wall the sheet yeah, curtains go over the there. top of them and that is just so much additional storage that no one even knows is there oh you know because I showed you but also in my um and this is really common in a lot of uh double story homes is there is generally a quite a big provision put in the plans for all the ductwork to come from the top to the bottom and generally the architect will make that space a lot bigger than what's required to give the builder a bit of leeway about how those pipes are going to come down. And so um, you generally can do this on site. It's difficult to do it at floor plan stage because uh, you don't know where the builder is going to put the pipes. But for example, in my powder room downstairs, I have got, you know, that cavity was really big. And so I ended up getting uh, another 50 centimetre wide long cupboard push button again or push to close that's painted the same colour as the wall, it's behind the door and I store all the additional towels in there. Huh, I didn't even know that was there and I've used that bathroom. Exactly, because it's behind the door. So there's so many areas that you can have all these secret nooks. Um, and we also had upstairs uh, talking about other additional storage, um, this sort of space and the architect put a, a bench seat there at the front of my master bedroom and I went, well, what's that for? When am I ever going to sit on a bench seat out at the front of my master bedroom? Total waste of space. So we got a cupboard built and it's a step-in cupboard. And this is, sounds a bit decadent, but it's my wrapping room. <laughs> so I've got all my wrapping paper in there. You know how you have um, gifts? I know you've done a, a podcast on this about, you know, the, the, the gifts that you sort of buy that, for kids' parties and stuff, you sort of have a bit of a stash of those and got all my excess handbags in there and some of my winter jumpers. So, you know, bench seat or cupboard that I can store stuff, it's a no-brainer. And I think that for me what's going through my head is that they're all great ideas if you're being very intentional about how you use them and if you're being intentional about living um, decluttered 
Um, for instance, I go into homes that have got amazing storage, but they still have too much stuff in them. Mm. And the storage solutions are just used to, oh, but I've got the cupboard space, so I may as well fill it. Um, and so that can be a problem for some clients as well um, if you're I not agree. being intentional it's, about the use of it. Yeah, it's like the more storage. And, I mean, I know that there's that conversation and Amy and I have had that conversation. The more, I mean, the more you have, the more you want. Or, I mean, it comes down to money. The more, you've, more money you earn, the more you spend. Um, but more space doesn't necessarily mean you need to use it all. Uh, and it is, it is quite intentional, though, and I suppose it comes back to that um, minimalist mindset in terms of being quite, um, well, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, it's considered about, yeah, about what you're purchasing. It's, it's being considered and do I really need this and am I just adding extra stuff? And, and that, for me, then goes back to a sustainability mindset of, you know, fast fashion, fast interiors, it, it just in the end is just creating more and more stuff and do you really need all this stuff? The answer is a resounding no from both of us. Mm. <laughs> but I think that that's becoming almost a movement um, in terms of people are being with the sustainability movement. It's that considered movement of what I'm buying, I'm consciously buying it because I need it or maybe I'm going to save up and buy something that's a lot more um, durable, is a better design and so it's not mentally then regarded as fast fashion that you'll automatically then stick out on hard rubbish because it didn't cost me much so who cares yeah and that's the sort of mindset that I'm trying to talk to my clients about as well it's considered and it's it's a it's quite a struggle here though in Europe it's very prevalent that you save you buy good quality and you and you keep it it's not a far I call it fast fashion interiors Mm. yeah and that's why like I love people to be, you know, our heart for people is to be intentional. And so having more storage solutions built into a a Renault or a brand new home and being future-proofing, because I love that concept, like we do, uh, I'm always thinking about that when I'm recommending people move rooms around or change, you know, and I know Amy does the same, when we recommend switching rooms around or changing things it's often like with okay but this is what it's like at the moment but in the future when you don't need a playroom just off your kitchen because your kids are eight and ten and don't need to be visible all the time then what will this space you can turn this back into a bigger dining room or you can you know being you know and even in our house um, we built um, six years ago and we have a playroom but that is going to be immediate you know it's going to be a teenage retreat soon enough mm. and being really um, thoughtful about storage solutions of how you can use them in different ways so you know mm. your um, wrapping cupboard you know, if you were to ever sell which is unlikely <laughs> um, but that may be somebody's you know, it, it can be a, a whole nother purpose for that. Room. Well, it's been designed so you could put your suitcases in there or it's all adjustable and so, but you're right. And I think going back to what you were saying about rooms being, and I call it multi-generational living, that often people design their houses because their kids are three and four and they think they're going to be, they don't understand or they can't visualise beyond the ages that they are now and how the requirements of kids change so much. So these rooms that are playrooms and then they, you know, get all this built-in furniture 
And then it's like, well, you're not going to be able to adapt that space as easily yeah. you've spent all this money. So for me, it's about having either like the book built-in um, bookcases in certain locations still give you flexibility, but it's all this fixed cabinetry that's quite bulky that I think really restricts what those rooms can be. I had a client with a floor plan this week who had this big space that he said, it's going to be my office, I'm going to get all this built-in cabinetry for storing his files and everything. And I said, but this for me is an ideal kids retreat, teenage retreat, second living area for you, get rid of this cupboard, just put a, a, a removable one in there. It doesn't have to be fixed. So yeah, that it's you can a, still yeah. flexibility, store in a flexible way based on how your needs change over time. Yeah, one of the things that we love doing is when a client says, oh, I just don't have the right piece of furniture for this room, I'm going to go out and buy it. I'll often say, well, can we just do a wander through the house and then we'll come into the spare room and I go, well, this piece of furniture that's sitting in your spare room completely unused would actually be perfect. And so there's a lot of that repurposing rather than just constantly going out and buying. Mm. Like, well, that's sitting unused or you used to use that for blankets could we now use that for toys or, you know, like really being flexible and being creative in how you use rooms and spaces and furniture gives you flexibility. Absolutely. And you can create pieces of furniture that can also store like Ottomans that I get Ottomans made for clients that you can store all the board games in. Or you can get rid of the newspapers and they serve as a coffee table, they serve as, you know, additional seating, they serve as a footrest. So it's having also multifunctional pieces are going to serve you much better and that's where I'd invest than, um, you know, pieces that just don't have that sort of flexibility. Same with modular couches, ones that are able to be, have the chase left or right rather than fix. What happens when you move? What happens if you want to change your room around? But again, it's those expert eyes. You go in there with fresh eyes. You see things differently than people that have lived there their whole time, their whole life. And I mean, it's like when you came into my place, you saw things differently in my office. Yeah. So it's just having a different view on what's there. What's it called? Visually blind. I love it. I know. It's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Like visually blind. But yes. We know what we mean. It's officially stolen. <laughs> Great. I love Good. it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to, I think that that leads perfectly into our next question for tips for renters or those on a limited budget. What would you recommend um, for those people? So I suppose it goes back to what I was saying, get pieces that can be multifunctional. So if you're short on storage and you've got a smaller space or you are renting, so you don't want to invest in a piece that may not fit in the next house, get things like coffee tables or something that can serve as a coffee table, an ottoman that the lid lifts off so you can store in there. Um, little coffee tables that do have storage in them for your remote controls and your newspaper and your book. Uh, rather than just having a table um, and, you know, avoiding the shelves where they often get cluttered. Um, although if you've got baskets and things like that under there, that helps keeping things um, together. Little side tables, little, little drawers, anything that enables you to store little bits and pieces. I think that's, it's avoiding um, the little bits that get sort of lost and, and clutter spaces up more quickly. So I think, so the dual functional pieces, um, Having things with adjustable um, shelves, um, adjustable cupboards that you can maybe can take the shelf out. So it might be a place where you store like in a buffet, you might store your vases in there in one scenario or you might put the shelf back in and then store it for something else later on. So if you're getting pieces that are um, 
flexible in how they can be used. That's going to serve you currently, but then also if you move, um, you're able to then take those pieces with you. Fran, there is so much goodness that we've been able to share with our community today. We are so grateful for your time. We know you're a busy interior designer and business owner. Um, how can people find you if they want to know more? Because Kirst and I are great at decluttering, not so great at interior design. Speak for yourself, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been lovely chatting to you ladies today. It's been so awesome and I think we've... Um, covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, people can find me at whitepebbleinteriors.com.au uh, and there's also a facility on there called Book a Chat where you can book a 15-minute time uh, with me and to talk about whatever your interior design or forever home um, issues may be. And Francis, you have a new podcast called Your Forever Home, which I'm really enjoying. Um, I listened to one the other day about paint colours <laughs> and felt really bad that I had painted my bedroom in just the paint colour that came in the white tin. Didn't oh, even get Amy. it tinted. Yeah, you I know. Tell me. You didn't call me. I know. It's a it's a <laughs> it's so bad. I was a dirty like, little secret of hers. Yes. Yeah, so it was like, what colour? Oh, do you know what? I don't care. I'm just gonna paint it the white that the tin comes in. Didn't even get it tinted. That would have been vivid white. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bright. Yeah. Yes, it would have been. <laughs> um I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. Yes, it is excellent. Um, there's a lot, lots of um, things that I cover on there and there's a new season coming out next week, which is Kitchen Design Essentials. Ooh, our people are always after Kitchen Design Essentials, so that is perfect. So I have a review today. It is from Anna from Canberra. It says, like having a chat with friends. Listening to these ladies is like I'm listening into two of my friends having a chat. I enjoy their banter, cheerfulness, realness and tips. Thanks for your podcast. Well, Anna from Canberra, thank you so much for your review. And Thanks, thank Anna. you again, Francis, for coming into our little podcast and sharing with us and our listeners all of your wisdom, or not even all of your wisdom, just a, a taste of your wisdom. And we are really ever thankful for you. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.